All right, welcome everybody back again here on the Caregivers Care Jar podcast. Uh, we are so thankful for you uh, listening in and tuning in. And please uh, go ahead and subscribe and share this with all of those that can use some hope and direction. Uh, we are uh, the eyes and the ears for caregivers, uh, both nationally and internationally. And we know that all around the world, um, somebody is caring for somebody. And uh, we are the eyes and the ears for that. And we are all healing together. And uh, as we're starting off, we have um, a special guest, Mr. Scott Sargent with us. And um, I want to introduce my wonderful uh, co-host, uh, Miss Christie is here. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> and uh, we are going to have an awesome time as always. Uh, and I can't wait to get into this. Uh, as caregivers, we are always, um, we always say that we, are an we answer the call to caregiving because you never like choose or decide to jump into this. But um, it, the, the opportunity comes and uh, we're the ones that have chosen to do this. And we're going to you know, love and care until the end. Um, and uh, so that's what that's what we do. So diving into this uh, this show, um, hey, we have a first another brother man on the show. I think you're the first uh, male <laughs> interview that we oh. had. So. <laughs> All right. So I'm, Love I'm, it. I'm excited about that. Um, we were thinking about you when I I, I did an uh, episode. I can't remember if it's number four or five, but I I said, hey guys, it's my mom, you know, and I was sharing mm -hmm. about you know caregiving for for moms and. Uh, and I, when you and I first met, so for those in the audience, uh, me and Scott met at um, Lisa Reed's um, OC Speakers um, event and in Rancho um, Santa Margarita. No, what is that called? Ca Capistrano, Capistrano Beach. Beach. Capistrano yeah. Beach. And, uh, and uh, uh, we, were, we began talking and I started talking about podcasts and then we said, hey, yeah, my mom too. And we really, I mean, we instantly hit it off and um, and actually, you were the first person that I talked to about being a guest on the show, and now it's finally happening here. And, um, and uh, really just looking forward to, to hearing your story. So just a brief interview of my man, uh, Scott Sargent. Uh, he's an inspirational, uh, actually in a TEDx speaker, um, a mental performance coach for business owners and competitive uh, professionals. Uh, he's an Olympic athlete, which is cool, and we'll hear more about. And, uh, just an amazing person, a great uh, bro to talk to. And uh, Scott, welcome aboard here on the show. And why don't you please just uh, go ahead and tell our audience a little bit more about you. And we want to hear about you know your journeys and uh, building up to the time. And we'll talk a little bit about your caregiving for your mom currently where you're at. Uh, so start us off here. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Thank you both You know for having me. I'm excited to be here and uh, you know, have this conversation and, and see how I can in any way share and hopefully inspire and contribute to, you know, you and your audiences and, and so many of the, you know, the caregivers that are doing, you know, really noble and, and I don't know, I think honorable work that's mm -hmm. unfortunately very under-recognized um, in, in our, uh, our culture at the, at the current time. But um, you want me to share a little bit about me first, I guess. So yeah, know, so it's been an interesting journey that's uh, through life, and then this this latest chapter in, in involving uh, caring for my mom. You, you got a little question, or 
Yeah, tell us about, okay, so you're an you know, Olymp Olympic athlete, so that's always intriguing. So, you know, kind of start, maybe start there. <laughs> well, you know, I grew up with the love of sports and uh, I was really gifted and talented. Um, grew up playing soccer and baseball, actually, were my big passions. And uh, my father was an engineer. My mother taught high school chemistry uh, for over 30 years. And so I had a very strong math science um, you know, background in, in the in the household. Like I often joke that they had Scientific American on the coffee table, mm -hmm. uh, and I actually read it. So um, I was oh, wow. also a really good student. And um, high school, I kind of got fed up with the politics of, of those team sports, and stumbled into track and field. And I started throwing the shot put, which at first I thought this is the dumbest possible sport. You know throwing this 12 pound ball from your shoulder and, you know, going 40 or 50 feet. But uh, I really mm. appreciated the team atmosphere and experience of track and field, you know, training together, cheering each other on at meets. But when it came down to the competition, it was really pretty black and white and it was all on you. So, you know, in soccer and baseball, sometimes, you know, a teammate might, you know, mess up or something or uh, an official could make a bad call those things weren't really a factor in track and field. So um, I graduated at the top of my high school class and, and chose UC San Diego for college. I uh, wanted to stay in Southern California and the campus there in La Jolla is just beautiful, you know, right yeah. on the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. And um, gorgeous. They, they have Scripps uh, Institute of Oceanography. I always figured if I didn't want to do engineering, I could become a marine biologist or something. <laughs> uh, I got certified for scuba diving when I was 14 years old. I rode my bike wow. lessons. Wow. That's a, you know, that's another uh, <laughs> chapter, I guess. But wow. um, yeah, and, and, and in college, uh, went out to talk to the coach about throwing the shot put, and he's like, well, and he got some potential, some things to work on, but have you ever thought about throwing a hammer? And I was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> not very common uh, in the U.S., especially at the high school levels. Uh, basically, uh, the, the collegiate weight for the, the shot and disc and shot and hammer is uh, 16 pounds. So if you can imagine a 16-pound bowling ball attached to a four-foot wire with a metal handle that you hold with two hands, you stand there and swing it around, and then you actually spin heel-toe and accelerate this whole system. You get that ball going like 50, 60 miles an hour, Wow. Uh, and a good collegiate throw is over 200 feet. Wow. Uh, I ended up with the best uh, official throw of uh, 220 feet. So if you, I tell people bowling ball, 75 yards, and that usually kind of puts it in uh, a context right. that people can understand. Wow. So it that was a It's a very, you know, dynamic and, and ballistic and powerful event, but a ton of grace and finesse and, and technique and actually – uh, relaxation is one of the most critical um, things mm. to be successful in, you know, going full force with the muscles that need to be contracting, but almost being like a raggedy end all totally loose and relaxed uh, to let the, to let things go and accelerate uh, and keep moving faster and faster. So you don't have that. Resistance. Wow. So, quite a blast. So yeah, I, uh, I quickly excelled in, in college. I uh, was a two-time collegiate champion, broke the collegiate record. And then made it to the Olympic trials and, and found myself going from that proverbial, you know, big fish in the little pond, a little fish in the big pond. Mm. Um, year I graduated from college, I was number 22 overall in the U.S. Still pretty awesome. 
Yeah. Within a few, within a few years, I broke into the top 10. I was training with not only the top the top American athletes, but um, I met the world record holder and had him as one of my personal coaches. I was one of the first athletes at the Olympic Training Center in Southeast San Diego out in Chula Vista back in the mid-90s. We're talking to date myself a little <laughs> bit. But, and uh, and then I competed again in the 96 uh, games. I only they only take the top three and I didn't make it and I was bummed, but I was I was there in Atlanta and, and doing mm. uh promotional and appearance work uh behalf of the Home Depot. They were one of the Olympic sponsors and just you know tons of great experiences. And um I recommitted at that point I was what 20 27 and the peak for hammer throwers is about 30. Mm. And I was working full time as an engineer. <laughs> just, wow. Just for fun. Uh, I kind of say sometimes it was a little bit like Clark Kent and Superman where I'd go change in my car literally at lunchtime to go practice. Wow. And of course, I got the nickname Thor in the hammer thrower. Uh, but I, wow. I did have people tell me from time to time they thought I looked like Christopher Reeve. That's and also mm. an inter- and another interesting uh, side side note. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was in the in the top 10 in the U.S. between 95 and 99. And um, I founded a nonprofit to support and develop amateur athletes. I'm, you know, I'm engineering, aerospace engineering and project management, doing personal uh, development, leadership training work, uh, going full force. And then I had a major unexpected detour the year before the Olympic Games. Uh, I went headfirst down a flight of concrete steps. I landed right on top of my head and shattered C5 and C6 vertebrae at the base of my neck, badly compressed my spinal cord. I woke up in the hospital, paralyzed from the neck down, being told uh, I was going to be a quadriplegic and being in a wheelchair the rest of my life, never, never expected to walk again. Totally. So as you can imagine, that was pretty shocking and devastating news. You know, not only was my, Absolutely. yeah, not only was my Olympic dream literally shattered, but then, you know, I was faced with the prospect of never being able to walk or move or, or take care of myself. And, um, Again, that's, you know, that's, that's a whole other story and my book is forthcoming, but yeah. uh, I was really fortunate in that case, as we may sound, you know, I was really prepared in a lot of ways to deal with that. Mm. And um, you may or may not recognize me sitting here, but um, I, I made a pretty bliss recovery yeah <laughs> at, yes. at, the, at the lowest of the low where I, you know i just was in the disbelief and the despair and you know just overwhelmed and and not even knowing what to do you know it's just surreal mm-hmm. uh, i had a conversation with my coach and you know he's like how are you doing i'm like what do you mean like this is beyond my worst nightmare like i don't know if i'm ever walk again blah 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 and you know, he listened for a little bit, but finally he interrupted me. And he, you know what? Are you going to fight and make yourself well? You're going to give up and quit. And I was like, I couldn't believe that he would like confront me. Like, I'm like, you know, don't you know how bad this is? And right. of course, the, the he called on the phone that this nurse is holding the phone to my ear and I didn't want to scream or, you know, profanity or hang up or couldn't hang up. And in this sort of inner rage, you know, finally what, you know, came forth and I think you know, both the engineering, you know, the engineering me addressing that logic, but I like to think the Olympia me, you know, responded. What came out of my mouth was, you know, I'm going to fight, make myself well. I'm going to recover 100% and walk out of here. 
And he said, okay, great. Then that's what we'll do. Wow. And, you know, so we really, we understood the power of language. First of all, this, the creative power of language of literally speaking, you know, your future wow. in, a, in a creative sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Setting your intention. And then, you know, I was able to, you know, first of all, so I had a coach, you know, I had a team, I had a, a support system and uh, I had all these distinctions mentally, physically, you know, even emotionally uh, around physical and mental performance that I was immediately able to translate to my, to the, to the adversity of facing that, you know, physical injury and, and huge emotional trauma that was on top of that and underneath the surface. And wow. that's right. another thing we may get to play more into, but, um, yeah. you know, I, uh, I didn't eat any hospital food. You know, I had all my own food brought in. I'm like, I wouldn't eat that crap, you know, <laughs> before when I was training, now it's even more important, you know, for my recovery. And since they couldn't provide, you know, my normal nutritional regimen, uh, I said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll bring in my own food. Um, I used to, I used to boast that, you know, I'm not a patient, I'm an impatient. And so I'm, I'm going to be walking out of here, you know, you guys, needles, do whatever test, poke and prod me, get, get what you can, because I'm going to be out of here before you know it. Wow. And, um, you know, really was kind of hell on wheels for them, you know, literally and figuratively. But, um, you know, I took charge of my care and my recovery. And I think in a lot of cases, you know, the system, although meaning well, tends to create a, a scenario where people are looking to a doctor or somebody else uh, with the expertise to sort of tell them how it's going to go. Um, and I, you know, realized a long time ago that, and, and again, through not only my athletic, you know, and academic training, but the, you mm -hmm. know, the personal development and growth work I've done, you know, that each of every one of us has the power to be responsible for and dictate how our life's going to go. And right. we can either be at the effect, we can give up that power, we can turn mm -hmm. it over to other people, we can put our faith in things outside of ourselves. Um, but I had the wherewithal that, no, I'm in charge of my life. You know, I'm the CEO, I'm the, I'm the star athlete, mm -hmm. I'm the team captain you know, you guys work for me, literally. Hmm. And, you know, what do they say if you get a, a, a doctor? Say, say that again, it cut out. Well, all the doctor, all the doctors said the same stuff. Hmm. You know, make you pretty good at being in a wheelchair and kind of make the best of this tragedy. But my program was called, I'm walking out of here. So then I started right. asking, okay, well, who is, who's recovered from this? Like, who do you know that's recovered? And they all, you know, shrugged their shoulders and shook their heads and said, you know, nobody that we know of. And so then I would, you know, again, it would have been very easy to just kind of give up and surrender up. Right. learned as an engineer you want to go find the proven solution before you try to in literally invent the wheel yourself right so i thought if i could find that person that recovered i could kind of interview them and pick their brain and kind of reverse engineer toward my own recovery but mm. they said there's no one wow so then what i went to was then okay well then i've got to be that guy wow 
You know, you may have heard the story of Roger Bannister, you know, was the first one that broke the four minute mile. They said it could never be done, that your heart would explode. It was, you know, physiologically impossible for any human. And then he did it. What's what's most significant about the story is that the following year was like 37 other athletes broke the four minute mile. Right. So it's right. really clear that it was so more of a mental barrier than a physical barrier. Wow. Uh, and you know, and then of course Neil Armstrong, right, the first man on the moon. So that was my that was my mindset of like, okay, so hmm. no one's ever done this, or at least no one that we know of. So then I've got to figure this out, or just make it up, because the worst that can happen is just the default of where I'm at now. Hmm. But I knew in my right. heart, you know, I've never been average, so I kind of dismissed all the statistics and. Uh, I said, I'm, you know, I'm going to be the one. I'm, I'm going to figure this out. So I literally went to work with all the resources and knowledge I had from my athletic background. And again, my coach and support system and team uh, to, to support me in what I wanted, but also to hold the space for me in the times where I was in despair. And, you know, I couldn't move. Right. I couldn't right. move. And they're like, dude, you're crazy. You're in denial. You don't wow. get this. Maybe you have a brain injury. Let's do some more tests. You know, but all the other people in the hospital, like the other uh, families and, and patients were like, oh, my gosh, you're so inspiring. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I can't do anything. But it was just because of who I was being and what I was speaking. Uh, and that was a really um, significant part of my life journey because I had heard that a lot before. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm training for the Olympics. I'm an engineer. I'm do- like, I'm doing all this awesome stuff. I'm in supreme, like, world-class you know, Greek God's shape, like, yeah, I'm a badass, but now I'm all of a sudden, I'm, I can't do anything. And there's, you know, they're saying you're inspiring. And I'm like, wow, I got it. That's just, that's just part of who I am, which is, which is very, your beingness. That's right. So, you know, this is, um, this is a lot about my story, but I feel like it's relevant. Absolutely. um, Both for people that may be dealing with some facet of that, you know, in their own care, um, dealing with doctors, other professionals, Again, I think they all mean well, but there's some limits within our current medical system to, you know, they have a certain toolbox and a certain mindset or perspective that they're really good at the things that they're good at, but they're not necessarily so good at everything. And there are a lot of things outside of their their training that, um, in my experience, have a lot of validity and, and efficacy. Um, but, you know, I've had the doctor ask my mom, you know, how's your appetite? And she says, too good. <laughs> so then he's like, okay, great. And he's on to the next question. Right. Like, right. Wait a minute. Like, that could mean she's eating ice cream and potato chips. Right. Right. You know, like, and... Uh, it's a non-factor in, in, in most medical uh, training. Wow. And, you know, I studied nutrition at a very high level to fuel my body, not only, not only to perform, but the most important thing, you know, as an athlete, hmm. which pertains very well to my recovery story, but also I think to, you know, well, caregivers for one, but then the person yeah. that they're caring for uh, is, is um, nutrition to help yourself recover. Yeah, because it's actually the recovery from the workouts that helps you get strong and improve your performance. Mm. You know, the workouts themselves kind of tear you down, and it's the rest and the nutrition mm. and the recovery that help you actually improve. I never so, heard it like that. That's that's that 
gives such a great perspective. Um, that makes sense. Well, and so I had, you know, though I had a lot of knowledge in that, that again, I was immediately able to adapt and apply to my own recovery and that, that critical point. And uh, I was actually able to walk out of the hospital under my own power after six weeks. Six weeks. So, wow. You're basically diagnosed quadriplegic. And in six weeks, you couldn't move anything from your neck down. And in six weeks, you walk out of the hospital. That, that, is, that in itself just speaks to so much stuff. Um, and it's not, low uh, power uh, uh, nutrition. Yeah. That's one, one of the key elements to it. But, you know, it's because it's, you say that. It feels like it's worth highlighting, you know, I, I'm of the of the mindset, you know, that I asked to see my chart, like as soon as I kind of was having my wits about me, because mm. there was a lot going on, and I was heavily medicated, you know, I had a major surgery, right. all this other stuff, I have a four level fusion at the base of my neck, you know, I, I mm. refused the pain meds very early on, they're like, you can't do that. I'm like, I'd rather feel the pain, that means the nerves are working for one. Mm. And number right. two, what do the pain meds do? They suppress the nerve function. Well, these are the very nerves that I desperately wanted to get back online and to heal and regenerate wow. versus having them go to sleep forever. Right. You know, so they're, they're just, again, there's so many things like that. These maybe little tiny details, um, hydration, you know, I, I brought in my own water and was hydrating, you know, they're like, you're on restricted fluid intake. You can't take that much. Hmm. The concern is that you have secondary swelling mm. and, um, you know, again, from my own research and study and personal experience, I believe, yes, that's true. If you're drinking something like tap water, mm. which overall I think is more harmful than the body, than, than the benefit. But if you're drinking uh, high quality and, and energetically charged water, that's more compatible to be directly absorbed into the cells and tissues, that's going to help you. Mm. I lost like um, I lost like 20 pounds in two and a half weeks or something. Like I'm like you can't atrophy that fast. It's it's dehydration. So mm. a- anyway, yeah. I, um, wow. <laughs> I, when I asked to see my chart, you know, it's got my name and diagnosis quadriplegia, and I I turned to the nurse. I'm like cross that out. I'm like you can write broken neck, spinal fusion, right. temporary paralysis, but I'm not going to be a quad. Wow. And so, you know, with, with plenty of respect and compassion for people, you know, that are whatever spectrum they're at on that type of injury um, and recovery, you know, my mindset was so strong and so determined. And that's the level of rigor I had with not only managing my own speaking language, but to the degree I could control uh, the influence of the environment of what other people were saying. So when I had people say, you know, you might just have to accept that you're not going to work, I just say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't work with you anymore. Like, mm. I didn't do a Donald Trump and say, you're fired. <laughs> but right. essentially, I did fire right. them and say, like, I can't have anything negative in my space. Right. So I want to sort of stop with that because that gives context. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can see my TED Talk. Yep where I talk about the emotional journey that's been under the surface for a long time. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's worth mentioning. And again, I don't want to <laughs> pull too much from the other focus, but this, you got me. And so this is what you get with the oh, Scott Virgin on the show. Hey, we are honored. This is, this is really actually very, very uh, healthy for the audience. One, just 
just as an encouragement for mindset, mm. thought, nutrition, um, being this direction, and and what actually tools to help come through, um, especially now in this time. You know, at the time of this recording, we are what a month into mm. like all of the COVID nineteen uh -huh. shutdown, and um, so we need to hear this. So no, this and plus, and as you go into your story, it's actually really going to. Um, it's going to pull together very beautifully. Yeah, this is this is really really good. Um, um, well, I won't go on a rant there, but there's so many things that can be done to uh, support and bolster the the immune system, and there's so many uh, habits and lifestyle factors and environmental influences that have a very detrimental uh, effect on, on people's well-being and health and, and immunity. Yeah. And so if you're able to, you know, get the proper knowledge and, and, and work with those things, I think, you know, you can dramatically tilt the, the scale in, in, in the odds in your favor. Right. And um, I don't know if I dare do this. <laughs> sure. But I, 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 it's, it's top of mind for me, you yeah. know, and it's your podcast, so you'll have you'll have to deal with any haters. <laughs> um, but there's a there's a quote that I love from Helen Keller, and mm. a lot of people are familiar with part of this, um, and not the whole the whole paragraph. And it, it's uh, security is mostly a superstition. Mm. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience in it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Hmm. Wow. And then it says life is a daring adventure or nothing. Wow. Which is the right. phrase that most people know with Helen Keller, but not that first part. And so right. good stuff. Awesome. That, I think there's a lot of um yeah, things that people aren't aren't fully aware of. There's a lot of superstition and um Hmm. You know, ultimately, uh, look, I subscribe to the social distancing and the uh, mm -hmm. isolation. My mom's in a care home. You know, they're on lockdown. I recognize that it could be fatal for her if she were to contract this. Sure. Um, right. But I'm also a little bit fatalistic. I'm like, sooner or later, <laughs> I think everybody's going to get exposed to this. And and the best thing is not to try to isolate yourself from it, but what to to really bolster your immune system, uh, and to be in some mindset of health and abundance and um, gratitude for everything that you do have in life. Right. Because going into this place of fear and not getting outside and getting fresh air and sunlight and all these other things contract us and deny and suppress our life force and adversely affect our immune system. So mm. we'll I'll. <laughs> try to draw the line there and not rant any further, but you That's can tell good. I have a, a bit of what might be called an alternative um, approach to uh, health and, and wellness, but no, absolutely. It's, it's through a lot of life experience and, and a lot of study and, and a lot of, you know, personal application and, and then working with, you know, a, a large number of clients from Olympic level athletes. Cause then I coached right. with USA track and field and us Paralympics for a period of time, you know, after good. my career, um, and then again, other competitive professionals and, and to the extent of people healing from uh, spinal cord injury and paralysis. Wow. Yeah. We, this, this is so, this is so rich, Scott. Um, and I love just getting to know more about your experience <laughs> because it's, in, it's not only just inspiring, but it's educ it's educating. And um, um, for us to, 
that are listening to even just take personal inventory and self-check about oh, what changes do I need to make. Um, we're, like I said before, we definitely want to have your information because I'm sure there'll be several listeners that want to like, man, how do I get in contact with this guy? How do I learn some of the things um, from you, whether it's coaching, whether it's just your experience of, as an Olympian? Because that, um, I met someone, I met a couple uh, Olympic um, uh, athletes and the one thing I learned from them the most is the like the the not only the discipline about the nutrition and uh, like what you just taught me today about the rest it's like um, whether you're being Olympian for the Olympics or just like you're saying Olympian for yourself I want to be an Olympic caregiver I want to be an Olympic business owner I want to be an Olympic um, husband, you know, so whatever things that I need to do to get the discipline or, or the mindset of uh, being excellent, being healthy, because uh, I, our health is our wealth. Our health is our wealth. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, if you're not healthy, you can't, yep. can't use it. So this, this is really good. Um, and a great setup to, so all of these conditioning, accomplishments, healing, rejuvenation, walking, all of this, you know, down and back up, down and back up and accomplishments. And you mentioned earlier about, uh, and I, I'd love for you to just share this now, this challenge now with becoming the caregiver with your mom. Tell us about how, how did that come about, this story now where, where becoming the caregiver for your mom, uh, what happened with your, your mom and uh, where were you at and how did it like, how do, how do we come into the, uh, to your place of caregiving? Yeah, well, you know, I sort of probably already said, but, you know, like I'm a superstar, right? And I've, mm. I've, I've had a, a lot of intense and, and, and profound life experiences, you know, up to this point. And um, mm. my father died when I was 13. Mm. And my mom had just gone back to teaching after taking like 12 years off to raise me and my brother. and um, you know, had she not done that, it would have been a different, very different life. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, bless her heart, she worked her tail off. I don't even know how she did it. Um, wow. Because she was, she had taken 10 years, well, she, she and my father were married for 10 years before I was born. So she was 34 mm. when I was born. She was in her, her late 40s when she went back to work. Wow. And was raising two boys that are on the verge of becoming teenagers. Wow. Like how <laughs> Yeah, right? Super mom. Just, just that, right? So <laughs> Yeah, you know, that alone. She gets golden stars. Extraordinary, amazing woman. And you know, how many thousands of students that she teach and, and impact over her lifetime and, and career. Mm. And of course, you know, she spent countless hours doing all sorts of other things, you know, outside of the classroom. Um, but um, you know, love my mom so much and I'm so grateful. Uh, not only for the difference that she's made in my life, you know, mm -hmm. but in, in so many others and really made just such an impact on the planet. And so um, as she's, you know, gotten older, I've, you know, been closer and closer to her over the last decade. Uh, she was slowing down. Um, I actually moved back into the house I grew up in with living with her. It was two stories, five bedrooms, 3000 square feet you know, 50 years where the family stuff all still accumulated there, uh, a big house with a yard and a pool and, you know, all the things. 
And, um, but my mom wanted to live there. Wow. And she's going up and down stairs, you know, to her bedroom and whatnot. And, you know, people are like, oh, she's going to fall on this. And I'm like, well, you know, but who's to say that's not keeping her legs strong. And mm. finally, uh, of her own accord, about six years ago, she's like, you know what? I've had enough. It's time to move. Okay. Went through that whole process. Again, we can do another show on that one. Mm. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, downsizing her out of the house I grew up in and, and all that stuff and getting wow. her moved. But we moved her into a, a two-bedroom condo in Leisure World, which is a retirement community. Uh, our yep. active 50, 55 and over seniors, I think is what they call it. Yep. Uh, active seniors well. community um, in Seal Beach, not far from Los Alamitos, you know, where I grew up. And it had kind of been my mom's plan all along. I did say, you know what, let's do the diligence of, of looking around. But ultimately, it was this decision. Um, we added a second bathroom in there, which made it nice for me or other people to visit. Nice. And uh, I think she kind of had the notion that, you know, when it came time for her to, to need higher levels of care, that that would be, you know, make it, make it possible to have somebody else in there. I'm not sure to what degree she thought that, but, mm. um, you know, I gradually seen this coming. She's had a postural uh, decline where she's been like more and more hunched over. It's called kyphosis. And, of course, you know, I'm like, mom, you know, you got to straighten up. Mom, you know, you got to do some yoga. Mom, you should eat healthier. You know, mom, let me get to the chiropractor, you know, all these different things trying to support her. And, you know, she'd do a little bit and get a benefit. But, you know, I was mm -hmm. like doing that dance, right? I'm her yep. son. And I'm not the guy wearing the white lab coat. And <laughs> right, right. Whatever it is. So, I mean, we got her off of a, of a medication that was really tearing up her gut lining. Uh, and causing her some uh, digestive and elimination issues and go lo and behold then she recovered and uh, you know got better wow but, uh, you know I had her I'd been checking in with her every night for a long time pretty much every night mm -hmm. and then uh, had she has a small dog she would walk twice a day and so I had a neighbor you know that she was supposed to see or check in with by 11 and if they didn't see her, they would call. And, you know, if she didn't answer the phone, they'd knock on the door. And if she didn't answer the door, then they had a key to go and check on her. Right. You know, I'd gotten her one of these lively alert. It's called, you know, like a panic button that's on a pendant and it's on the cellular network. So it works anywhere. She's still driving at that point. Mm. Um, but, you know, she didn't always have the thing on her neck and it wouldn't always hold a charge, you know, it wouldn't get recharged. So it's like, <laughs> but I'm trying, you know, I kind of could see this coming and, you know, like, had this anxiety about it, but trying to do whatever I could do just to, to, to provide my mom the best support and make her safe, but, you know, also honor her autonomy and, you know, live in the way that she wanted to. And um, I was actually on a business trip out to Colorado, uh, Craig Hospital, where, where Christopher Reeve was taken. I was working mm -hmm. with a client who had a spinal cord injury and was working with him on his recovery. Uh, I got the phone call just the day after I'd gotten back that, you know, hey, Scott, you know, whatever you're doing, uh, you need to drop it. Come be with your mom. You know, she's had a series of falls, mm. hadn't been able to uh, get up and, um, you know, without going into two more nitty gritty about, about what happened. Uh, she basically hadn't been able to stand or, or walk or live. And so uh, that was a year ago, um, June, the end of June, beginning of July. Oh, recent. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's coming up on two years pretty quick now. So, right. 
which is, which is just hard for me to believe, but yeah, I went home and I mean, literally had to carry her into bed and, um, ended up taking her to, well, to church the next morning. Cause she wanted to go to church and I'm like, right. I thought, well, it's going to force her to kind of confront you know, <laughs> what she can't do and how difficult things are. And it's going to have her, some of her community see, you know, right. What difficulty she's having. Because <laughs> my mom active in her church, you know, retired teachers group, the PEO is a women's service organization, you know, she's leading groups to the, um, the Long Beach Symphony and wow. in years past had organized groups going up to the Hollywood Bowl, wow. you know, like all the things, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but she was really, you know, kind of faltering and, and I was concerned about her and I wasn't quite sure whether I tried to take her to urgent care or the ER, but I took her to the ER and she had a blood pressure of 68 over 48. Mm. She's really low. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they were kind of surprised that she was still conscious, hadn't passed out. Um, They suspected maybe a a bladder infection, a UTI. Um, That week in uh, Long Beach, Seal Beach, we had a big heat wave. And I think it was 103 degrees the day that she fell. She was in a parking lot, a friend of her driving her to a hair appointment which was wow. like you know hair appointment and church were like the two things that were like religion for my mom <laughs> and uh but then she fell in the parking lot well to get up and so that's that's kind of what the big tipping point was mm-hmm. and um you know when i well they, so they put her on an iv and she responded pretty well but and, and it was negative for any kind of infection um, but she still wasn't able to walk or stand. And so we ended up having her in a hundred days of skilled nursing um, mm-hmm. during which time I live not quite an hour South in, in South Orange County, actually Capistrano beach. Mm-hmm. So fortunately I'm self-employed with my own business and speaking and coaching, but you know, I was essentially living up there at her place during the week and taking care of the dog rascal. He's a little 12 pound Shih Tzu mix and <laughs> 12 years old. He's my little buddy too. And, Right. taking him to visit mom in the hospital. And of course, you know, that's a highlight for everyone. And wow. the best I can influencing her food, you know, I couldn't quite take it over to the level I did when I was in there, um, you know, in my recovery. Mm. And, and my mom wasn't as adamant or demanding as I was, but, you know, I'm bringing her healthy, you know, organic fruit and, you know, fresh uh, salads and and super high vital sprouts that one of my colleagues who's a total wizard, grows these amazingly uh, nutritious, nutrient-dense uh, sprouts and microgreens. Wow. You know, giving her some treats and snacks so she can, you know, have her taste buds. And, um, <laughs> yeah, when I when I got to her home, she had, uh, I think, you know, severe dehydration, a modest amount of malnutrition just because of comfort and convenience and maybe to some degree of her cognitive awareness. Um, but after 100 days in skilled nursing, we brought her home mm. initially with full-time living care, which was uh, incredibly stressful. Um, we couldn't afford, you know, like a full-fledged agency, which would have been probably twelve to fifteen thousand dollars a month. Right. Wow. Um, yeah, and, it's expensive. You know, we didn't quite have the, you know, undocumented illegal alien paying cash under the table. Right. <laughs> um, but we ended up kind of somewhere in the middle where. We got a, uh, as a referral agency that, you know, kind of had um, qualified people in some 
capacity. I don't think they'd done a full-on background check, but they had a payroll service that we pay them, but they were like, you know, we're not responsible, like the, you know, the contract and, right. and the legalities and all that stuff's between you and them. But at the end of the year, they'd issue a 1099, you know, they were, they were independent contractors. And there's a lot of things that I've heard indirectly that have changed about uh, the legal and financial, you know, regulations regarding caregiving and, and expenses and employees versus right. all that stuff. I'm, I'm not your expert there, but that's just one little facet of the myriad and smorgasbord of all the things for caregivers to, you know, grapple with um, right. or not be aware of, and then, you know, end up dealing with potentially a mess and more headache later. Yeah. But um, I'll, I'll try to sort of, <laughs> you know, summarize the, the what happened and maybe we can dig in a little bit more into some of the elements of it. But sure. So after, this was October of 2018 that we brought my mom home. And, uh, you know, realized it was not going to be sustainable with her modest pension and, and dwindling savings to keep her in that situation. But uh, my commitment was to keep her there through the holidays which and the new year, which was her wish. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a lot. And during that time, I developed uh, severe sciatic pain uh, to where I was pretty much like physically crippled. Uh, out of trying to adjust my mom in the bed in the hospital, being oh, tired man. of waiting for the nurse late at right. night, bad posture, and I know better, and I'm this big strong guy, but I still tweak my back, wow. and then it just didn't get better, you know. Wow. Um, you know, and I'm trying to run my business, be up there close, visit my mom, take care of the kid, the 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 dog, and then you know come back to my place on the weekend to kind of regroup, and had a neighbor that would watch the dog for a day or two here. I mean, it's just. Yeah. So I, I and, and the emotional and financial stress, uh, you know, the low back, you know, uh, corresponds to uh, finances and support. If you look at the uh, emotional correlation of physical ailments and injuries in the body, which wow, that's a whole other um, another podcast, man. We can have to have you back. Framework, but I'll just say, I'll just say, Louise, hey, you can heal your life. Uh, mm -hmm. She has an amazing um, list in there of of physical ailments and injuries and the corresponding mental and emotional patterns. Mm. Uh, and then the new um, thought forms and energetic uh, sort of antidote, if you will, on, on how you can work with those things on the mental and emotional level. Mm. So uh, anyway, I'm like, again, crippled, probably like the second worst that I've ever been in my life. And then wow. having to manage all these aspects and somehow get her moved out. So after the first of the year, we moved her into a private board and care home. I felt really fortunate that we got, I was able to get a place with a single room and that would take the dog and they were flexible on the move-in terms. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was kind of an interim situation, but uh, we got her, uh, we got her moved. We we're able to clear out and stage and sell her condo. Uh, some, some real prayers were answered, but I also mm -hmm. used, a lot of the power of, of vision and intention with, with creating what we wanted for a quick, an easy sale mm. uh, and yeah. a good price. And uh, I learned the hard way with Leisure World, there's a lot of red tape and the transactions can be very difficult. Um, but we ended up getting very blessed in that we got a buyer that had been already qualified to buy another unit. 
Wow. You actually have to pass a health uh, exam and have the, a doctor certify that right. you're able to live independently. Mm. So a little bit of a warning there because mm. I assumed this being a, again, what I thought was a retirement community. They're like, no, no, no. We're an active seniors community. Mm. Uh, I thought there would be a lot more resources available for when my mom needed help. Um, but they're basically like, no, we don't do that. Wow. And they gave me a list of caregiving agencies. They gave me a list of uh, assisted living facilities in the area. They had a social worker, but not really a lot of help and support. And at the time that I was dealing with this, I was so overwhelmed. I was like, I just need help. I need, I need someone to tell me the answer. I don't need a list or more homework to do. You know, right. I need actual help. Mm. I need right. solutions. You know, I need someone to do this. And I, and I really understand why, you know, people, you know, traditionally bring meals when someone's lost a loved one. Well, you know, my mom didn't pass away, but there was a significant loss and death of her, you know, going from being very active and independent right. and, and even helping and providing for so many others that to then, you know, being uh, very much in need of help. And then it being quickly very overwhelming for me, even though I'd kind of seen it coming. It's like, I felt completely under, over, under prepared and overwhelmed. Wow. Yeah. That is. You, you As know, I'm we, sure so many people are in that same boat. Yeah. Because there's so much that you, we, we have no idea of um, the process. I think we have, I think, I think you just don't know. And, uh, and you kind of either assume or, oh, okay, well, it's senior care. So, you know, I would think that it'd just be super loving and the door's open and we welcome, you have room and, yep, we're going to care for you because that's what we do. But there's all of this um, just like, really, I have to, you know, paperwork interviews and like you're saying, like um, all of the processes just to even qualify. And then, but in the meantime, it's like, I need, I need to, you know, move, move mom, or I need to, I need to, for her to be all right. And then I still have my business. I still have to, and now I've, I've, I've taken on the finances and the responsibility and the power of attorney and the, you know, and, and then I'm learning, I'm in this crash. Every, I think you become into a crash course of a whole yeah. nother life. Yeah. Uh, or two, so to speak, um, because you're, you get a crash course on learning the system or the multiple faces of the system. Um, and uh, uh, like you said, you learn that there's not, um, it's different than what you expected or you, you just didn't imagine that all of this was required or, or, or needed. And uh, yeah. That, well, and the, a lot of times we just don't even know what questions to even ask to get the answers that we need to do the things that we need to do and make the choices that we need to make. Yeah, we don't know. I know, and, 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 but at least having that distinction, like that there's something that we don't know that we don't know. Right. Um, I learned a, a, a great question that this, you guys should write this down and mm -hmm. in, in your show notes, you should write this down. Um, I don't remember exactly where I got that, but basically, you know, when I'm talking to all these different people, I try to remember some version of this. Well, if you were in my shoes, you know, what question haven't I asked yet that I should have asked? Yeah, that's a good one. Right. It's a really brilliant question. That's a great thing. 
And I'm just, pa I'm paying that one forward because, you know, there's so many times where that, that kind of helps you probe into that, what you don't know, you don't know. And, and, and quite often as I'm, as I'm talking to, um, you know, all these different people in the constellation from, you know, just for simple health to, you know, communication resources to, you know, the medical aspect of things, the, the, the insurance and, and drug company, you know, like, <laughs> right. if this was your mom, if this was your mom, you know, I mean, I really try to make it real for people. If this was yeah. your mom, what would you do? And sometimes people be like, yep, I'm caring for my mom or, you know, my mom's already passed, but you know, my, I've dealt with that with my parent. Like there's, there's a level of compassion and empathy and connection. Right. I think that comes out of that. And if nothing else, you're, you're calling on that person's humanity a little bit more in a situation where a lot of times in the day-to-day and -day some of these circumstances, you know, I, unfortunately our society doesn't fall over itself to help elderly that need it right. and to help right. caregivers who are like, in my experience, it's like sink or swim. You're kind of on your own. Yeah. And I feel like, um, I, you know, I coach clients all the time on self-care and asking for help and, you know, mm. executives that are, that are managing, you know, dozens or hundreds of people. And I'm here waving my hands, feeling like I'm sinking, wow. you know, and drowning. Whereas, you know, when I dealt with some of those things before I had a team in place, I had a coach, I had mm. resources. I understood a lot of distinctions in that, you know, sort of framework, but this is like completely different. It's, mm. it's a whole new world. And it's yep. like, there's a, I don't know if this is me because I, you know, part of the dynamic of of being a a, a a elite athlete and a peak performer is we can tend to be really hard on ourselves. Mm. Yeah, we could probably talk a lot more, but you know, I like I, I feel like there's a there's like some like you should know how to do this, right? You know, like there's like this cultural thing of like oh well you should just know how to do that, right? And, one of the ways I look at it is I, I didn't happen to have, you know, my own kids, but it's like no baby comes with a manual, right? Like right. so many people are faced with having to figure that out on them on their own, but hopefully they've got a parent, they've got a relative, you know, there's other family that can help walk through that process. Mm -hmm. And an infant in most cases, hopefully, you know, is going to be increasing in their capacities and their ability to take things on and to function and, and to take on responsibility. Mm. And one of the things I've recognized over the last few years with my mom and certainly over the last, you know, whatever it's been going 20 months or something, uh, is that she's on the other side of that trajectory where she's now, it's almost like regressing and becoming younger. She's able to do less. She needs more help with things. Yeah. When she can't remember something, it doesn't do any good for me to get frustrated or upset with her. Right. Uh, and I try to go back. I use this example a lot that I can literally remember when I was like maybe six years old, uh, five or six years old, trying to tie my, learn to tie my shoes. And I remember my mom and my grandmother would like, you know, show me like, and I was like, I totally understood. And then I'd go to do it and I couldn't do it. I just would cry, you know? Mm. And so yeah. it's like when we don't know how to do something, you know, this is to all of us and especially those that are giving, you know, care to others. It's like, you know, give ourselves space and compassion for those things that we don't know how to do. If you don't know how to do, if you don't know how to tie your shoes, 
it, it's just the same as if you don't know rocket science. I mean, it's like, if you don't know it, it's, it's beyond your current capacities. Doesn't mm. mean you won't be able to do it, but um, it's not something to put yourself down for, you know, to be upset about, or even to make other people wrong about, you know. Right. Mm. Giving yourself that grace. Mm-hmm. Giving yourself that grace. And, and you know, it's probably a good place to, I'll give you a, a one-two punch here, you know, with my, uh, again, with my recovery in this, you know, huge journey I went through, I, I, three of my main coaching points or keys, you know, that I call it are, uh, you know, your champion's mindset or that, you know, that we talked a little bit about, you know, being an Olympian. And to me, there's a, there's a space of embodying the being of it. It's not just mm. the doing of it. Mm. Um, but all those aspects of, you know, the power of your vision and intention and your language and the visualization skills, you know, on and on. That's a, that's another show, but mm-hmm. number two is nourish your nerves. So mm. obviously, you know, that's giving yourself excellent nutrition, but it also has to do with stress management and rest and, you know, not doing things that are going to agitate the system. And the third is transforming your environment. And that sort of simplifies down to people, you know, places and things, Mm. but essentially you've got your inner environment and your outer environment, right? So without going more into that, um, those are some really powerful distinctions and framework. I got to tell you, getting an engineering degree, collegiate champion, two Olympic trials, recover quadriplegic, TEDx speaker, um, check, 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 check. Being a caregiver for my mom and not even have, like having her in a care home, like I'm not even having to carry her and do the toileting and bathing and all that stuff. Um, This has been more challenging for me you know, more humbling and bringing me to my knees than any other things. Wow. Right. And so I hope that that will be valuable to some of your listeners to give themselves more uh, compassion, more space and and recognize just how important it is to prioritize that self-care, to try to build a team and resources and support around you to not do this alone. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, You guys, I think, you know, you may have had one of the other guests. I have a, a past client who runs a, a dementia care center. And she told me the statistic when I started working with her that the average person caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's or dementia, I think it's like at least 68 or 74% of them will get a chronic learn, long-term illness or die before their loved one. Hmm. Right. And I think it just speaks to the, the level of stress that, that like you said, Vaughn, you know, we answer the call and it's out of well-meaning intention of, of loving that person we care so deeply for, but we've got to make sure that we don't, you know, sacrifice ourselves uh, in a place that's, that's, that's literally damaging um, and compromising for our own health and well-being, you know, because, you know, if we're, if we're not there, then there's nobody, right? Right. So, right. Um, and it can be a tough navigation, but so good I'm now replaying what was my what my one two punch there was there was <laughs> that aspect um I think well just I think talking about the the mindset and the and the beingness and then you know this just being 
so challenging and so humbling, right? Mm. Even with all those other tremendous successes I've had in other areas of life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably another good thing to point out for um, anyone that's a caregiver. You know, when you're learning something the first time, I, I didn't win the gold medal on my first hammer throw, right? Like, right. right. You know, usually you're not that awesome the first time you try something and it takes a lot of work and other distinctions to get better. And you always get better if you got a great coach and other people that have gone the road before. But, um, you know, that learning, you know, takes time. So um, there's so many thoughts that are swirling through my mind about all this. But yeah, I mean, what is, um, and I'm not going to answer it, I'm going to let you answer what is this being the most challenging out of all of those that you just shared that you've overcome, what makes this different than all of those other things and being what makes it the most challenging that you experienced? What makes well, I think the first thing I would say is that it's just, it's such an unknown. Mm-hmm. And as much as I'm someone that um, is pretty good at asking for help, I, I've been frustrated in that not many people are answering the call mm. and right. the degree that I've mm. uh, looked, I haven't readily found mm. access to, you know, resources and help. Again, I don't need a list. I don't need more things to do. Um, and if, if I step back and I put my coaching, you know, and consulting hat on, it's like, I, I, you know, and this is not to judge myself, right. Cause it's easy to go to should land and should all over mm-hmm. yourself. But, right. you know, it's like, well, somehow I should have been able to formulate a more specific request for help. Like, I need you to help do- drive my mom from point A to point B on Friday at 2 p.m., right. you know, or I need you to bring a, a salad to feed three people for four days, you know, like, but I, I couldn't compose yeah. those things. I just was like, help. Yeah. You know, yeah. I literally right. had someone say, you know, basically, you know, you don't need to run up such a red flag. Like your mom doesn't need to have a bunch of visitors and all these things while she's in the hospital. I'm like, mm. <laughs> when, you know, right. how much help is when she's walking and she's fine and she's hundred percent, that's when enough help is enough help. Like, mm. what are you saying to me? So, you know, some of those things were really hard for me to integrate. Again, you could probably hear from some of the conversation and, a lot of wires. I'm. I'm. In a lot of ways, I'm wired very differently than, than many people. Um, but even with all of that, I think the the number two thing is it, you know number one, it's new, and it's just all this unknown, and um, feeling like I'm on my own and having to discover it myself or invent the wheel myself. You know, like I said, as an yeah. engineer, as an Olympic athlete, you know, as, as a, a high performance coach, I learned. You know. Go study the best, learn from the best, find the proven, you know, way to do it. As an aerospace engineer, they don't like new technology. You know, they want something that's tried and true for 10 years because if something on an airplane blows up, it crashes and lots of people die. Right. Bad, right. right? So right. find a proven system, get something that's established and follow that. Same thing, find the best coach, find the best athletes, you know, find the people that have already done that study and follow that. And that's how you're going to, you know, Hmm. maximize your potential in in the shortest amount of time. But this meandering road to caregiving. And and again, I've just been navigating so many of the uh, 
logistical and overall things, not having to do, you know, the hands-on in the trenches day to day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the guy that will speak to that, but God bless everyone that's, <laughs> that's able and willing to do that. Um, it's that, um, yeah, just feeling so challenged and having to feel alone and, and I trying to figure this out as I go and not having good guidance or resource or support. And then the third big thing I think is that, you know, it's my mom. Yeah. Right. Those other things, you know, like it totally sucked to be me, but it was me, you know, or those things were stressful and challenging and, you know, a lot on my shoulders, but it was me where this is my mom. And, And there's that level of my heart and love for her that it's just, you know, so hard and hurt hurts me to see her having such challenges. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I, I can't control it. Like when right. it was me, I could, I could, I had a lot more chance of controlling my own body and thoughts and decisions and, and language and whatnot. Whereas, you know, it's, I can't do that for her. Yeah. And I tried to navigate the line of, you know, getting up underneath my mom and, and supporting her and what she says she wants rather than try to drag her along until, you know, try to put her into my Olympic training program of how I think it should be, you know, like. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's, it, man, it is so tough. And, uh, and I love what you said. It's, uh, and I, and I, that's another reason why I'm glad you're on the on the show as a, uh, a as another son for mom because it that in itself throws a whole different dynamic that a lot of guys uh, we we um, I think we would talk about it if we're given the space like this to talk to talk about it and right. um, and but a lot of times uh, like you said we're looking for answers and I think automatically we as guys think, well, we should be able to fix stuff. We should be able to help, you know, we help it. Okay, mom, you know, we've always been there, especially as an adult child. Mom, you need this. I'm going to take care of it for, you know, dad's not here. Um, You know, my mom and dad had been separated since I was in eighth grade. And so I became the the man of the house. That'll be my audio book, man of the house. uh, From eighth grade to man of the house is the title of it. And so you know you you take on those roles and responsibilities and now here is something that mom i um i'm gonna do my best to learn but this stuff is so big um like you said there's so limited resources um who do i ask um you know who who do i confine in and then uh you you take so much time going down one road and then you either run into a brick wall like okay you're not helping me let me go find somebody right, else. Right. You're actually hurting my mom. So no, you're out the picture and, you know, doctors, nurses, uh, caregivers and uh, facilities and the, the paperwork. And, and it's just a large beyond, um, it's beyond our, our, our grasp and control and be able to quickly at least fix and get an answer. And it's like, and it's always, right. on, and it's always ongoing and it's, um, and so there's like, uh, if you know, to me, it's always, it's always, uh, unless, in, in, unless you have the support or someone from the outside to help you to continue to go on, it's like defeating. You're always like, man, uh, I'm making it great in this area, but here, like, oh my goodness. Uh, I like what you said, you know, give yourself grace 
because this is a, a insurmountable uh, or a, a, it's a gigantic learning curve. And then all of those emotions about, I want to do the best for mom. I want to do, I want to make sure that she's okay. And if there's whatever I can do about it, and if, and if I can't do something about it and she suffers, even if it's just my imagination of her suffering, <laughs> you know, it's a, mom, you should be able to, you know, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, no, I can see what's coming. And um, it's that because you can't save her, so to speak, or help or heal or fix or, right. or for us, us guys, um, that's, that's like super weighty. And um, a lot of, um, a lot don't understand. Um, there's not a lot that understand that or that communicate that they, under they can relate or understand with that. So. We are going to pause right there. We have a whole other hour that Scott has to share such great stuff with us. So continue with us on the second half of this episode. Tune in now.